When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Adam McKay and you are listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, hello, and indeed, welcome back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by Pantheon Media. Okay, um, we are going to continue with our little 40-year celebration, 40th anniversary celebration of the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, We've done an episode now uh, strictly on what was the new wave of British British heavy metal, who was in the new wave of British heavy metal, otherwise known as New Wobham. People make fun of that, or N-W-O-B-H-M. Um, but yes, we're just going to call it New Wave of British Heavy Metal. So this is going to be a fun episode. Um, I often, I've had this debate with people. I've done some articles for Goldmine Magazine as well on this topic. Um, we are going to talk about honorary New Wave of British Heavy Metal bands. Uh, this always, uh, you know, causes some controversy. Um, but this is a nice, succinct a- explanation in five songs, in five bands, of, uh, of the various ways we can look at who was sort of peripheral to the New Wave of British Heavy Metal. Who are the debatable bands? Are they uh, New Wabam? Are they not New Wabam sort of thing? Okay, so to get things going... Every one of these has different reasons, Um, but to get things going, um, I'm going to break a rule of mine right away in that uh, I consider this band absolutely new wave of British heavy metal. They aren't honorary. They're central to the whole thing, but I have a lot of people who who fight me on that one and say, no, they are not a new wave of British heavy metal band. I am talking about Motorhead. Um, Let's take a listen to a little bit of Motorhead. This uh, This is my favorite song off of Bomber. I think it's the heaviest song off of Bomber. It's a little bit of a deep album track. This is Poison. Take a listen.
Okay, so there you go, Motorhead Poison. Now, why is Motorhead uh, considered by some people um, who uh, who fight me on this idea of them being a new wave of British heavy metal band? Uh, there are various reasons. Number one, they essentially started in about 1975. Their first album is 1977, so we are talking two years before there really is a new wave of British heavy metal. Um, you know, they come out of Hawkwind, they're kind of older guys, but I believe they completely, completely belong in the new wave of British heavy metal because their first color album, uh, Bomber, this is when they go from the black and white Snaggletooth logo to the, um, or, or mascots, as it were, to the color. Uh, that's a 1979 album, which I consider the starting year for new wave of British heavy metal, hence our 40th anniversary idea. Um, but they make this second album in late 1979. By the way, we're going to be doing these um, chronologically. So, uh, so Bomber came out October 27th, 1979. It's Motorhead's second album of 1979. Um, but yeah, so people consider them a little bit early. Um, and they also, you know, New Wave of British Heavy Metal, I like to liken it to the idea of a, a bicycle wheel it's got a hub. It's got certain bands that don't sound like any any sort of obscure offshoot of new wave of British heavy metal. And then the spokes go out and you get things like poppiness, progginess, uh, dirtiness, uh, punkiness. Uh, and I bring that up because Motorhead falls into that category. Motorhead, uh, you know, they're kind of like the originators of dirty new wave of British heavy metal, just like we've had an episode called Dirty Hair Metal before. Um, you know, Motorhead spawns the likes of uh, the thinking man's baby new wave of British heavy metal band Tank, uh, as well as Venom and Warfare, uh, possibly some of the bands on Neat, maybe Avenger and Tyson Dog, that kind of idea. But some people consider Motorhead a little bit too dirty and obscure. It doesn't have the clean vocal. It doesn't have the progginess. It's uh, it's got this uh, this sort of bikerish punky sound. Um, but no, I consider them part of the whole thing because they're in there participating with colored vinyl and singles and non-LP B-sides. All these things that matter. They're in there playing all the live gigs with all the new wave of British heavy metal bands. Um, but again, to argue why some people consider them peripheral, I would say two reasons. Chiefly, they started too early and their sound is uh, is a little bit off of what we consider the key sound. You know, the likes of the first Def Leppard album, Tigers of Pantang, Fist, uh, what, Diamond Head, Angel Witch, uh, these sorts of bands, Iron Maiden even, uh, Central Central New Wave of British Heavy Metal bands. Okay, moving on. Um, number two on our list of honorary New Wave of British Heavy Metal bands here on History in Five Songs is Judas Priest. Um, this is a little bit of Steeler. Take a listen. Now, Judas Priest, again, um, believe it or not, some people consider them part of the new wave of British heavy metal. It comes up, maybe it's the people who don't study this stuff as deeply as, as others, but uh, Judas Priest is considered uh, kind of part of it. So let, now, let's let's talk about why they aren't part of it, first of all. Okay, they started in some shape or form all the way back in 1969. They literally go back as far as Black Sabbath goes back. Um 
Their first album is 74. They really get going and they come on the radar with a magnificent masterpiece called Sad Wings of Destiny in 1976. So essentially, they're a second wave uh, British heavy metal band. I consider the likes of Sabbath, Deep Purple, maybe Atomic Rooster, certainly Uri Heap, certainly Budgie, who we're actually going to talk about shortly, um, as the first wave. And then there's the second wave led by Judas Priest, but also including Thin Lizzy, UFO, Rainbow, those types of bands. Um, so they're, they're essentially coming well on the radar, 76, 77, 78, great, great run of records. But why are they considered part of the new wave of British heavy metal by some people, an honorary new wave of British heavy metal band as it were? Um, okay. I would say it's because they come out with the iconic, um, looking, uh, album that announces a British metal movement in British Steel with that hand holding the razor. British Steel comes out April 14, 1980, which is right in the thick of the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, this is when Iron Maiden is coming out with their debut album. This is when the Metal for Mothers albums are coming out. This is this is like, you know, week, month zero almost, uh, spring of 1980 for new wave of British heavy metal. They also... With the previous album, Unleashed in the East, the live album, they started to develop this look. So they have this this um, leather and studs and and the mirror glasses and the you know the uh, the sort of S and M looking uh, heavy metal look uh, that becomes a big part of of heavy metal. So so a big thing about the new wave of British heavy metal is this identification with metal, this being proud of being metal, uh, the look, the package, the album covers, the sound, everything, no ballads, all that kind of stuff, um, where it's not metal by accident. That's kind of a key sort of concept of the new wave of British heavy metal. We are proud to be metal. We know what metal is. We are talking about heavy metal. Judas Priest is that band. Judas Priest and Saxon definitely, um, Judas Priest with anthems like United and Take on the World. Um, but also British Steel with songs like Living After Midnight and Breaking the Law and, you know, a song called Metal Gods. I mean, how more metal can you get? So Judas Priest is really, this is almost like their coming out party, 1980. And again, they are in there. They are putting out a lot of 7-inch singles and 12-inch singles. They are going out on tour headlining and backing them up. Lo and behold, our new Ava British heavy metal bands, uh, you know, famously Iron Maiden. Uh, this is my favorite part of Steeler you just heard. I mean, Steeler, I, I, I always, I remember getting this album and being very angry at it because they were really dumbing down their sound. Um, to my mind, this is almost like less of a new Ava British heavy metal sound than the, you know, the absolute genius stuff all over Killing Machine slash Hellbent for Leather. Um, Stain class, sin after sin, um, but um, so the fast songs on here uh, particularly ticked me off, as as did Living After Midnight. I always call this the Judas Priest's Kiss album, um, but Steeler has some really cool parts later on, and that's why I wanted to play this. There's a lot of cool stuff hidden on British Steel. I mean, it's a fantastic album, anyways. It's just it does represent a dumbing down of their sound you know, exemplified by the switch and drummers from, uh, from, you know, the, the crazy arms and legs, Les Binks, Simon Phillips era to the, uh, straight four on the floor, uh, four, four, uh, Dave Holland, um, who came from trapeze. Um, 
So yeah, there you go, Judas Priest. Uh, you know, a lot of people consider them, uh, you know, below the consciousness somewhat until 1980, and this is their coming out party. And they're in there. They're now ready to duke it out and compete with uh, with the likes of Iron Maiden and Scorpions and 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 the like. So so they put up British Steel. They put up Point of Entry. You know, Screaming for Vengeance is sort of their big comeback album after the stumble with Point of Entry, and that's 1982, and that's still in the new wave of British heavy metal. So they're in there. At absolutely participating like a dirty shirt they've got the look they've got the anthems uh, this is why they're part of it obviously the main reason they're not part of it they started in 1969 their first album was in 1974 okay let's take a break now and uh we will be right back when we dropped the first few episodes of rock and roll archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rockin'. Okay, moving on in our honorary New Wave of British Heavy Metal Bands on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, we have a little tactical nuclear outfit called Gillen. Uh, take a listen. This is Higher and Higher. Okay, so Gillen is another one I get a lot of stick for um, when people say, hey, Gillen is not a new wave of British heavy metal band. The reason people don't consider them a new wave of British heavy metal band, there's really only one reason, well, one and a half reasons. The one reason, the big reason, is Ian Gillen comes all the way from the late 60s or essentially 1970, uh, you know, really coming on the scene with Deep Purple in rock. He's basically the big Deep Purple guy in the classic Mark II lineup. He's out of the band in uh, 73, 74. He has a little bit of a jazz fusion band called the Ian Gillen Band, but he puts this thing together called Gillen. Their first album is called the Japanese Album, otherwise known as just Gillen. Uh, it's a little early. Um, but then, uh, you know, the next one's fantastic, Mr. Universe, 1979. Uh, they put out Glory Road in 1980. Uh, what I like about what you just heard, Higher and Higher, 
is this proves one of my points why they belong in the new wave of British heavy metal. I always consider them a true new wave of British heavy metal band, just like I do Motorhead. I consider them part of it. Um, but Higher and Higher is the non-LP B-side of Sleeping on the Job. Sleeping on the Job was on Glory Road. Higher and Higher, non-LP B-side. Absolutely fantastic song. Perfectly well recorded, just like everything. That's a big thing about the new wave of British heavy metal, isn't it? Um, the fact that there are all these singles coming out all the time with non-LP B-sides and picture sleeves. So Gillen is right in there. I totally consider them part of this thing. Uh, I mentioned there was a half reason why they're not considered part of the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, because they do have a very unique, slightly oddball sound. Uh, so they are one of these that, that goes off uh, on one of these spokes. They, I, I consider them the uh, punk rock version of Deep Purple um, uh, mixed with uh, 10% The Doors. Uh, they have a little bit of that crazy uh, circus carnival sound that you got out of Ray Manzarek in, uh, in Gillen's own keyboardist Colin Towns. Um, so they've got keyboards. They've got scrappy production, kind of like scrappy production on purpose, which is a little bit of a weird thing um, that usually doesn't happen in New Wave of British Heavy Metal bands. They're usually trying as hard as they can to get a good sound, often not succeeding. Um, but Gillen is a little bit of that recording dirty on purpose that you get out of Motorhead and Venom. Not so far, not so much, but uh, you can consider them, yes, definitely the punk rock version of Deep Purple. Um, that is really what they are. They're, they're an oddball looking band. They got the big fat John McCoy in there. They got Bernie Torme who looks a little bit scraggly and punky. Um, that's another reason they're considered a little bit off. But no, I'm considering them absolutely part of this thing because they've, they've put out, they put out lots of records at the time. They put out you know, the, the, the seven inch singles with the non LP B sides and the picture sleeves, they're out touring with all the new wave of British heavy metal bands. They actually stay in Britain. Essentially they, they are, they are basically operating in Britain for, for most of their, uh, most of their run. Um, so uh, they're in there completely participating. But yes, I will consider them honorary for, uh, I will humor the people who consider them honorary and consider them in this episode. And like I say, the main reason is people just look at Ian Gillen and say, old guy. Okay, moving on. Pretty much the same reason for this one. Um, Ozzy Osbourne, the Ozzy Osbourne band. Um, let's take a listen to something called You Looking at Me, Looking at You. Talking to me. All right, now, I chose that for the same reason. Uh, there's a method to my madness, isn't there? I chose that for the same reason. I chose Higher and Higher from Gillen. Uh, this is a non-LP B-side. This was the B-side to Crazy Train from the uh, from the debut album, Blizzard of Oz. Um, this came out September 20th, 1980. Gillen came out August 1980. Um, so yeah, same reason as Gillen, right? Um, Ozzy Osbourne was the lead singer of a heavy metal band, an original heavy metal band, going all the way back to 1969, first album in 1970, Black Sabbath. So you've got this old guy coming back, but he's coming back with a fresh new band, 
Um, you know, clear the slate. Here he is. Black Sabbath's move on with Ronnie James Dio. You know, the Black Sabbath would have been one of my sixth or seventh choices uh, to put in this honorary thing. But Ozzy, Ozzy definitely fits the bill way more. It's a brand new band. Why I love putting them in the new wave of British heavy metal is... Um, you know, they're in there participating right away. They've got new wave of British heavy metal bands as support bands. They are putting out uh, singles, 12-inch EPs like the Mr. Crowley live EP, which also has a non-LP B-side in You Said It All uh, live. Um, but, the, you know, the first album comes out. It precedes uh, the U.S. version. I remember getting, a, getting an import of it. The second album comes out. Um, it's recorded by the same band uh, and recorded in very close proximity to the first album. So, so we're talking 1980, right in the thick of the new wave of British heavy metal. They're recording in England, uh, both of these records. They're playing in England all the time. Um, it's, it's a fresh, heavy new sound. Now, you know, Ozzy's the main reason people don't consider them a new wave of British heavy metal band. But also, you know, granted, this is even a little bit worse than the Gillen situation because you've got an older, earlier um, uh, generation Australian transplanted to the UK in Bob Daisley. Bob Daisley was in Widowmaker before he was in Rainbow. He goes all the way back to Cavus Jute, back to his Australian days. So he's a veteran. You've got Lee Kerslake, the drummer, total veteran. He goes back to, you know, the, the original um, British heavy metal with your eye heap. And then you've got an American, a young American in Randy Rhodes in there as the um, as the guitarist. So they've got a little bit of the problem that Rainbow has. Um, Rainbow's another band that I could almost put in this situation. Um, but Rainbow by this point was even more American. Uh, in various ways than than the Aussie band was. So so there you go, Aussie honorary new wave of British heavy metal band. Um, you know I I consider them part of the thing, but less part of the thing than Gillen. I'm not sure why exactly. Probably because they moved over to America. They got the big they got the big deal. They basically became uh, you know a band that everybody feels uh, lives in America. Essentially, their next guitarist was American. You know, guitar is an important thing. Jakey Lee. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Ozzy just seems like a, like more of a major label corporate situation than Gillen, which seemed really street and on the ground and punky. Um, so there you go, Ozzy. Um, moving on, we are at number five in our uh, honorary New Wave of British Heavy Metal, History in Five Songs. This is Budgie with Secrets in My Head. Take a listen. Okay, now Budgie is uh, even more distant, um, but this this makes a point that I want to make about the new wave of British heavy metal. So, Secrets in My Head, I love this song. I think it's the heaviest song off of their 1980 album, October 10th, 1980, uh, Power Supply. Um, 
So why do I put Budgie in here? Budgie, uh, Budgie is even worse than the Priest situation in that their first album is 1971. They made records all through the 70s. They're definitely an old, old, old uh, heavy metal band, English heavy metal band from Cardiff, Wales. Um, so why are they in here at all as an honorary New Wave of British heavy metal band? They are here because they are the most egregious case of, a, of an old band trying to cash in somewhat cynically, I would say, on the new wave of British heavy metal. Um, Power Supply isn't even released in uh, in North America, so it's a quintessentially British album. It's got kind of like this uh, scrappy cover art of a live situation and kind of a mechanical looking budgie dude. It's called Power Supply. It's really gritty. Um, it's got kind of gritty street production. It's heavy through and through. I think there's one ballad on the whole thing. The rest of it basically sounds like a scrappy new wave of British heavy metal band. And this is a huge, huge, huge change because the previous two albums, Impecca Impeccable and um, If I Were Britannia, I'd Wave the Rules, are very meticulously and cleanly and almost daintily recorded. Um, they sound kind of really major label. They're on A&M. That's the other thing. They're not on A&M anymore. So in every way, except being old timers, they are absolutely a new wave of British heavy metal band. They have another album called um, Night Flight, which is actually early Derek Riggs of Iron Maiden fame artwork, and which looks totally new wave of British heavy metal. So you've got illustration. Um, you've got this tough looking budgie, if you can imagine, on the cover, um, all in his space gear. Uh, so it looks super new wave of British heavy metal it is also kind of like a scrappily recorded they have an ep out called uh if swallowed do not induce vomiting um which also is scrappy scrappy music so budgie kind of totally changes their sound they're totally in there participating in this thing they're on major they're on minor labels so they're on they're on you know small label deals um and uh and these are things that are not even released in uh in north america there's this this little tranche of uh, of records at this time and of course they're in there um touring with all the new wave of british heavy metal bands so they are the most egregious case other ones you know that are somewhat in this uh camp uh a little bit of you know priest is a little in this camp sabbath's a little in this camp blue oyster cult even um, but most uh, most pertinently uh, uriah heat because they make a massive transition in sound from conquest to abominog so they belong in here wishbone ash a little bit you know you see other old blues bands heavying up at this time savoy brown um slade even um old glam band uh, so uh but budgie is absolutely the biggest case of a complete transition in sound they don't even sound like the same band um so there you go we are done those are our five honorary new wave of british heavy metal bands now um if you notice, uh, all these bands are essentially from Britain. I'm actually going to do another episode, uh, which is kind of a part two uh, eventually. Um, that's going to be the honorary new wave of British heavy metal bands that aren't even from Britain. So um, that will cause controversy as well. Yeah, like I say, this this one always causes debate. There's always this little tranche of bands that everybody debates. Are they part of the new wave of British heavy metal or not? Um, there you go. Um, I will sign off at this point. Um, you know, uh, Facebook me. Let me know what you think. I'm pretty good with my Facebook. You can email me at martinp at inforamp.net. If you can't remember that, you can go to martinpopoff.com. Over there, all my books are for sale. They're all described. There's PayPal buttons, all that stuff. 
um, links to all the little ebooks that I've been doing on some of these. I actually just did a Holocaust Nightcomers um, ebook, 99 Center, little short document. That's all available at zunior.com. Got a lot over there. Um, but yeah, you can find my email address over there if you uh, if you didn't catch that. Uh, Martin P at inforamp.net. That's it for me for now. Um, thanks for listening. I, uh, I love hearing comments. I love hearing feedback. I love even hearing show ideas. Um, but we will leave that for now. Uh, talk to you again next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.